Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast. And this is all about helping you to become more visible, more credible, and ultimately more profitable by becoming more significant. And you have a smorgasbord of offerings to tap into. So over 50 wonderful podcast conversations with incredibly inspiring guests, each of whom are being truly significant in the world. And they're sharing wisdom and insights that helps them to continually have an ongoing impact in the world by being ever more significant. Then I have 10 Wisdom and Insights episodes where I have captured the golden nuggets from those conversations. And in each Wisdom and Insights episode, I share from either five or six episodes, the key learnings, the insights, and the practical actions that we can all take right now to become more significant in the world. And then my third offering is some snapshots of the learning that I have been doing over the last few years. I am a learning junkie. I'm constantly keyed into audiobooks, to podcasts, to TED Talks, to online courses, to mentoring. And I'm learning so much all the time that I'm sharing with my clients. And so I want to do that through the podcast platform as well. So I will be putting together very short, probably 15, 20 minute sessions on key learnings and again, key actions that can help us all to become more focused, tap into more of our potential and make a real and lasting difference in the world. So lots to choose from. And thank you so many of you for supporting the podcast over the last couple of years. It's been great to have you on board. And long may you continue to tap into the wisdom and gems of the Becoming More Significant podcast. Wherever you are today, I hope you're shining brightly. Have a great day. So my guest today is the phenomenal Paul Evans. I've known Paul for for quite a long time and we've worked together in different capacities. Paul, welcome. Yeah, yeah, no, well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's uh, super exciting to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. So great to be here. Thank you, Paul. And what I'd like you to do, Paul, for the benefit of our listeners is just tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing right now? Just so people can get a little flavour for what Paul Evans is about. Okay, in terms of some context for me, really, for the last 17 years, I've been coaching, consulting, training, specifically to help business owners uh, to build grow what I call a grown-up business, right? So to create a grown-up business, which is a commercial profitable uh, uh, business that will scale and build shareholder value without them needing to be present. So been doing that for 17 years now. I uh, worked with three and a half thousand business owners and entrepreneurs in the UK to do it. Currently coach uh, 20, uh, 20 different businesses in the two masterminds that I run. As, but uh, outside of that, uh, I'm also uh, a business owner in my own right, so I own two, uh, two other companies, as well as, uh, obviously, I'm a major shareholder in Contribution Compass, which you and I share a passion for, which is about a tool designed to help people find their flow and really kind of build high-performing teams where people actually do the work they love and contribute the maximum value. 
Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm an angel investor. I'm also an incredibly busy dad, uh, you know, and married with a wonderful wife. And my son, 15, turns 15 next week, I think, next week. Yeah. So, you know, kind of I've got all that stuff going on, just like everyone else who's listening to the show has an awful lot of things going on. Right. So um, that's what I'm up to right now. I'm focused on on growing and developing those businesses and those brands and at the same time doing it whilst still maintaining a sane home life. <laughs> Sane, really? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't say we, I said, you know, we're aiming for sane, all right? That's like, I'm not saying we're there. I mean, it's a work in progress, right? As is everything. But uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's, we've got all that going on at the minute. So Brilliant. <laughs> and figuring out how to run events, an events-based business in the middle of a pandemic is, uh, wow. is, is, is a full-time puzzle, puzzle to be solved. That's for sure. But you're somebody who always finds a way through challenges. You know, I, I've, I've known you for a while and I've seen you face incredible challenges, challenges in your life. And sure. you don't only survive through them, you actually seem to thrive through them. I mean, have you always been like that? Uh, um, honestly, probably not, actually. I think, uh, I, and this is just stuff I'm learning about myself as well, about, you know, so I've suffered with dyslexia all my life and it wasn't diagnosed till I was 14. So, I mean, my life is pretty much... Uh, you know, from the from the very beginning of my life, if you want to go back that far, it's been about it's been about challenges, right? I mean, so I was adopted, so I was actually given up for adoption, uh, and I spent six weeks uh, during that process of, of waiting to be adopted. So, you know, you could, yeah, absolutely, the first six weeks of my life were a challenge, right? I was isolated, I was on my own, I was all of those things, and you know, that's, that's something you then spend the rest of your life trying to figure out. And it's part of the reason why I ended up getting into the personal development business was actually, I got into the personal development industry purely because I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me. Like what, what, what was wrong with me? So I had a lot, I had many, many years growing up where I, I wasn't, I, I, I have battled with the, the demons in the head. They, uh, which is actually a fairly common thing for people who have high level dyslexia and, and some elements of kind of mild traits of autism as well. Uh, it's very much that, that overcoming the things that um, are about ourselves, right? It's the, the shadow mm-hmm. self. It's the whole kind of spending your life trying to deal with the shadow self. So for me, it's, it's, you know, my life's been about overcoming adversities. Definitely. Have I always been kind of able to bounce back from them? Not always, but um, think, I've I've been on a quest to try and answer cool questions for most of my life. And the first cool question was very much what's wrong with me? Like, you know, mm. um, driven from that whole adoption experience in terms of, well, if you get adopted, uh, you know, there's something wrong with you, right? Because why would your mum give you up for adoption if there was nothing wrong with you, right? That's the, that was certainly the program I was running at that particular point in my life. And I spent a large part of my 20s being very angry at the world, being very hostile, being very aggressive, being very angry at the world. And uh, so, yeah, so no, I've not always been someone that bounces back from stuff very easily. <laughs> no, not at all. It's been... Well, when I get into personal development, when I was 19, so started that journey when I'm 19. And as I said to you just before we started the call, in five months time, I turned 50. So I've spent 30 years working, working on me as a project, right, Mm. as a project to try and get better, to try and improve, to try and develop skills to uh, overcome this stuff, to deal with the challenges that we get handed in life. As I often say, it's not it's not the stuff that you worry about that you should worry about. It's the stuff you don't see coming. 
It's the stuff you didn't even have on your radar, just like the world we're living in right now. None of us had us on this. On we will work up twenty January twenty twenty new decade. Nobody had on their radar what we were all going to be dealing with during that first that first year of the decade. Mm. We didn't have it. Nobody knew about that. It's the stuff you don't see coming. That's the stuff that's going to knock you sideways. So, um, yeah, it, it, life's about life's about you know learning learning to get knocked down and, and still get up. Right. As long as you can still get up and then you, you know, the game's not over. Right. It isn't over. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a bit like, do you remember as a kid? I Do you remember those toys you used to have? So those weeble, weeble wobble doll things that when you'd oh, knock yes. them over, they'd, yes, yeah, like, yes, yes. Somebody gave me one of those once and, then, and I just thought it was such a great metaphor because it's a bit like that. And like, it's like, look, you can get knocked about. You're going to get bashed about. We're all going to get hit by different stuff at different times but mm-hmm. it's a question of going okay well as long as you bounce as long as you learn to get back up again or weeble back up again it was like that whole kind of mindset of like it's like yeah okay but no I've, this is a this is a journey it's like i said to someone the other day i said um, they said oh it's all right for you i said whoa i said easy i said i said listen look i i you're looking at me now and i'm still i've still got issues i've still have bad days i still have stuff that that knocks me over and and mm. stuff it 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 might take me a day or two to recover from it now, but it used to take, if you ask my wife, bless her, who's been with me 20 years, she'll tell you it used to take me weeks to get back up, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just about, it's about a work in progress to shorten that, that time frame of how long it takes you to come back from something. You know, it's, it, it's, it might take you years ago. You used, used to get knocked down if something went wrong, if something happened to me, you know, it could take me months months of being in the in the in the dark places to come back from it now it's mm. it's days and sometimes hours you know and sometimes minutes just it's but it that's a skill and that's absolutely a skill that you uh i certainly chose to 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 learn and continue to learn and i'm sure two years from now i'll be better at it hopefully than i'm at it now so mm. Mm. we're a work in progress right every single one of us is a work in progress Always, always. And, you know, that sort of stuff, it's very much about a mindset shift, isn't it? Okay, I can either go down this rabbit hole and go, woe is me and poor me and wallow in it, or actually, okay, this is challenging. What am I going to do about it? And just the, by the very fact that we're doing something about it will help us to rise above it. But that wallowing in it just just gets you deeper and darker. Well, yeah, I mean, so look, I think, I think, I think it depends. It depends on a couple of factors, right? I mean, I've always said that uh, certainly when I had a business and I was 31 and it failed and I lost everything and had to move back in with my parents. Um, I sort of told the story that, you know, listen, you can have a pity party, right? You can absolutely have a pity party. I said, but the problem is nobody likes to come to pity parties and very few people who come bring wine and cheese. So it's a pretty dull affair. So like the reality is look, you know, you've got to decide what you're going to do. And and I think it's about deciding if the, if what has happened to you is going to define you or if it's going to drive you. Mm. And for me, that's the key question, right? Are you going to let what just happened to you in your life define you for the rest of your life? Or are you going to use it to drive you, to drive you to get better, to drive you to contribute more, to drive you to help other people, to drive you to, you know, learn a new skill, to develop a new business, whatever it is, you know, you've got those two choices. This can either define me. This can be where, where my life stops or my journey ends, or I stop growing or the relationship's over. I can, or I use this to, to drive me onwards, to get better, to improve, to contribute, to grow. Mm. Um, that's just, that's a choice. And, you know, I think that the single hardest thing we have in life is choice. 
It's not the, the it's the biggest challenge for all of us as human beings is because you can choose to do nothing. Still a choice. Right? You can choose to do absolutely nothing. I was talking to my F12 mastermind group this week because uh, we managed to pull off meetings by having everybody take COVID tests before the meeting. So we still found a way to do it. And I said to everybody, listen, one of the things you've got to buy into is the concept of the 24-hour rule. And the 24-hour rule being, listen, when stuff goes right, the danger is your ego gets out of control. And goodness knows mine's got out of control at times in my life, right? For sure. And that's dangerous. So you have the 24-hour rule, which means, wait, hey, stuff goes great, celebrate 24 hours, absolutely live it up, have a good time. Likewise, stuff doesn't go great. Stuff doesn't work out. you got 24 hours to feel sorry for yourself, lick your wounds, right? Because that's part of the process of healing too, is to go, that hurt. I need that. I need to feel that pain. I need mm-hmm. to experience the pain so I remember what it feels like to lose or what, I, what it feels like to have something not work out, what it feels like to lose money, right? I need to feel the pain so that I remember enough to know I don't want to ever go there again. Yeah. I'm not a great fan of going, you should dismiss it, like just move on. It's like, no, no, hang on a minute. I deserve to sit with this one for 24 hours and feel bad about it, feel that it hurt. Rem- uh, and and use it as a constructive learning moment to go that hurt that really hurt and like okay what am i going to take away from that and then you've got 24 hours to feel sorry for yourself and then you got to get back up and get on it and get back in the game and start moving forward then no and that doesn't mean you have to suddenly go out and change your life and you know like you know tear down walls in your house or redesign or whatever it just means that you've got to get back up and go right mm. I start moving forward today. I do one small thing. I do one thing I can move forward to, to contribute. I do one thing that's creative. I sit down and learn something for half an hour. So it doesn't have to be massive steps. Yeah. But it does have to be forward motion. Absolutely. Totally agree with you, Paul. And, um, you know, one of the one of the acronyms that I, I created for fear is feel emotion and rise. So the fear comes, feel it. As you say, allow yourself to feel it. Why do I feel that? Recognize it instead of stuffing it down because it's got to go somewhere. Sure. But then, you know, when when you've done that, learn from it, and then and then you rise again, and you you as you say, do small things that will make the boat go faster. To quote Sir Steve Redgrave, you know, what yeah. will make the boat go faster? I totally agree. I also think it's about understanding what motivates you. So if yeah. I look back, you know, I look back to when I was at school and stuff. Uh, you know, I was I was horrifically bullied at school. Um, uh, to the extent that the school tried to put me on antidepressants at the age of 16. Um, uh, You know, and you kind of have to, you're going to need to make a choice at some points in your life as to whether you choose that the people who are trying to get you to conform to a view of the world of you that they hold, right? Whether that's being bullied, whether that's in a relationship or whatever. If somebody else has an opinion of you, you've got two choices. You either decide to go, I'm going to buy that view that you have of me and I'm buying into your vision of me, your belief of me, or I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think, and it's again, it's how we're built. It's our profiles to some extent for sure, right? But my profile tends to get wound up by people who go, you'll never do that. You can't possibly do that. Don't, you know, you don't deserve that. It's like, I really sit back and watch. So that if you, you know, the stuff in my, you know, I remember at school when um, I really wanted to play in goal when I was 16, uh, 16, 17. Yeah. So I wanted to play for the first 11 and, 
And I remember the the, the, the teacher at the time, I don't even remember his name, but the, the football coach saying to me, you're not, A, you're not good enough to ever play in goal for the first 11. And B, you're not tall enough. Now, the second point, he may well have had a point, all right? Because like, I really genuinely am not the typical stature of a football goalkeeper, right? I am five foot six at best, if I'm in, probably in sort of, thick soul show maybe if i'm jumping up and down a bit i'm five or six but reality is i'm not a six foot two goalkeeper right so yeah. i should not you know i have no right playing that position right but it just depends on what you believe and i was like you know what i'm going to train harder than everyone else i'm going to stay later i'm going to put in more practice i'm going to spend hours you know in the evening with my dad you know in the but we built a goal in the back garden and we we you know we, we would and bless him he would you know he's working running his own business at the time but he would come outside and he would practice for two hours a night and we would we would practice two hours a night, and and I was like, whatever it takes, I'm getting that. I, the, you don't get to determine that. And then when um, when it came around to the the selection of the goalkeeper for the year, I, he had no choice. He had to pick me. I was too much, but I was too further ahead than the other people. Yeah, physically they had more stature than me, but I had more skill than they did. Mm. I had more awareness of the game. My dad was a football referee. So he taught me a lot of stuff about understanding strategy and about understanding rules and, you know, and understanding things you could do to influence the defense as a goalkeeper and stuff. So like I had a, an awareness that other players didn't have. And, uh, and that at the end of that year, uh, and, you know, we, we create strategies to make it fun too. So we had a defender in the team who was six foot three. So whenever we went to play another school, I don't think I've ever told this story. Anyway, whenever we had to play another school, we would always come out of the dressing room and the the guy, the, the, his name was Richard. Richard used to wear the goalkeeper shirt, right, for the warm-up, not me. So, like, like everyone was like, blimey, their goalkeeper's really good. And he looking at me, he's like six foot three, all right? And it would intimidate the other side. And then just before kickoff, he'd switch shirts with me and I'd end up in goal, which would completely, like, the other team would be like, what the hell? What are you doing? Was that right? And it was like, and it was like, it became a thing that we did. And um, which was just, it was, it was really interesting because by that time, the coach had already told them how to deal with us and all the rest of it based on what he'd seen during the warm up. And then suddenly everything would just, uh, they were like, well, now what? Like, what do we do? And it, so it, it sort of deflected a lot of the, you know, the kind of corner kick strategies and stuff because they were all like, well, their goalkeeper's so big, we shouldn't even try that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there were three players that year that got awarded the school kind of colours or awards for uh, recognition for outstanding players, and I was one of the only. I was one of the three. Wow. And, uh, and it, and it, but it came down to you know you got to put the work in, right? You have to put the work in, and you just, you just got to be very careful about whether you let other people give you a label, mm. because mm. people spend their entire life trying to label you as something that fits into their a box that they are comfortable with you being in, right? Yeah. Like. It's like, it's, and I say this to clients of mine all the time. I say, you are not your business. And I said, what I mean by that is that you are you and your business is, is over here. If you become your business too, too closely associated with your, as in you are the business, it's yours. I said, what happens if the business fails? I said, that's not, that's, then you're going to take it very personally that you failed. And having, I've lived that, having had a business, fairly spectacular business failure in my life. It's like when it fails, if you become too aligned to it, then it's you failing, not the business failing. And, and you've got to separate the two. It's like, you know, I'm very blessed today. Got three amazing businesses, got three fantastic teams that run them with me. But I am not the business. The business is its own entity. I contribute and have a role in that to play and a role to contribute. But I am not the business. The business has its own identity. Mm. I, got to be very careful about the identity that you choose to adopt and the identity you let other people project onto you 
because it's really easy for other people to project an identity that is less than you are capable of or yeah. less than you deserve. Absolutely. So, Paul, I just want to take you back a bit. So you've mentioned that at school you had uh, dyslexia yep. and you were bullied and yep. you were adopted. So how did you go from all of that to having that determination that you were going to get that role as a goalkeeper? What was it that gave you that self-belief, I can do this? Um, I, I think, honestly, part of me, uh, I don't like bullies. Right. I really don't like I, I have a real fundamental gut wrenching dislike mm. for people trying to bully other people to do things. And I think there's a part of me that is just if you tell me, no, I'm just going to go, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. So mm. which is, by the way, has caused a significant amount of problems in my life, too. Right. Yeah. It's not all positive, but um I think it's it's you got to get clear on what the goal is and the outcome that you're shooting for. Right? And I, I was teaching something the other day. If you don't mind, I'll just share it as a framework because mm. I think it's really true. It's like number one, you got to figure out what the goal is, right? So in that case, you know, the goal is to win the, the win. You know, a get to play for the team in goal. B get to get the colours at the end of the year. So that's the goal, right? Yeah. Number two is then you go, okay, great. Well, there are a bunch of skills then you're going to need to learn to pull that goal off, right? So then what are the skills that you're going to need to develop, right? So if you want, if you if your goal is to become a doctor and and be more significant with that, then and there are a bunch of skills you are going to need to do that to achieve that goal, right? Yeah. There is a difference between where you are and where you want to be. And it's going to be through the consistent acquisition of skills. You've got to strategically acquire the skills you need to get to the goal you want to get to. Too many people go around, oh, I want to be this. And then I'll say, well, okay, great. What skills are you learning right now? What courses are you on? What mentoring are you getting, right? And they go, well, I'm not, I'm, I, but that's my goal. And I'm like, well, if you're not prepared to even identify the skill gap you've got between where you are and where you want to be, you've got like no chance of closing the gap. Yeah. Hope is not a strategy. Let's be really clear on that. It's not. It doesn't work. You have to be intentional. All right. You have. And the very word intention, right? Yeah. Intent, having an intention means that you are going to create tension within you. Yes. The minute you set a goal that is beyond anything you've ever done, it is going to create. Oh, I love that. Right. It's intention. That's what an intention does. And people don't understand this all the time. They'll go, well, I've, set, I've set this goal and I'm really, I don't, I feel sick in my stomach. I'm, yeah, that's called intention. Right. And it's creating an inattention because you've just said, I'm going to go do this. There is now a risk of failure. There is now a risk of you not being as good as you thought you were. You've got all of that stuff that's now coming up. And as I, I've often said, new level, new devil. Every time you want to go to a new level in your life, you're going to need to confront a new devil, right? Whether that devil's in the, the behavior, whether that devil's in the belief system, whether that devil's in how you manage relationships. Every time you want to go to a new level, you'll have to confront a new, a new devil, mm -hmm. right? It'll be stuff about whether you think you deserve it or not. Or like all kinds of like absolute head trash. Every time you want to move up, it shows up at a different level, right? And by the way, that doesn't stop. I can, I can introduce you to clients of mine who are worth tens of millions of pounds, who every time they go, I want to be worth a hundred million pounds, suddenly all the, all the head trash comes in all again, right? And you go, well, is that possible? Yeah, because it's a new level for them. So it doesn't matter. You take a high performance athlete and you look at really world-class athletes and you say, well, great, like they don't have any of that stuff. Yeah, they do every single time. And in fact, there's really interesting research around top performers. If they end up playing somebody who's lower in the rankings of them, say, for example, like, you know, um, this is in one of the Netflix documentaries that I watched recently about top coaches. And there's coaches talking about like tennis players who are, who are playing someone lower ranked than them. And then they end up lose, start losing in the game rather than risk their identity being destroyed because they lost to somebody with less talent than them. They will throw the game unconsciously. 
right? They'll actually sabotage the very success they say they want because then they can just say to somebody, yeah, but I, did, I didn't try hard. Yeah. And, and I've had that in my career and I'm sure you know people too, right? And where we've gone, well, that's the real goal, but we don't try really hard for it because there's a fear. Because then if we don't try full out, then we can always say to people, yeah, I know it didn't work out, but I didn't really try. I didn't give it everything. It's like, and that allows you to then justify that you're still an okay person because you never really failed. You just didn't try hard enough, right? Yeah. But you go, look, what's the goal? Second step is like, okay, great. What's the skills that I'm going to need to develop? And the next question is like, okay, great. Now I know what the skills of development. Who do I need to go learn from? Right? Who do I need? Who do I need to go get get coaching from? Who do? What training course do I need to take? You're going to need to invest, right? Somewhere in this journey, you're going to need to invest. Mm. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given, right? Ever given was invest ten percent of everything you earn for the rest of your life in training and developing you. Yeah. Right. I got that when I was 19. And if there's anything that I've been doing for all of my life consistently, highs and lows, some years that's been 50,000 pounds investment. Some years it's been like literally a book, a book every couple of months. If that's all I could afford when I was really broken and struggling after yeah. one of my businesses failed. So, but just keep, keep investing in you. You are the single best investment you will ever make. Yet most of us don't. We leave school, we leave the educational system and we just, we expect somehow to miraculously get better without investing time or money all both into learning from other people. Mm. I know you're a big fan of it. So am yeah. I, but it's like, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, massively applaud you because you're just listening, you're, you're investing time. But if, you know, there's a, there's a great saying that those who pay, pay attention, right? There's a reason why when you pay for coaching, pay for mentoring, pay for training, you pay attention to it because you've invested not just your time, but you've invested your money and that makes people pay attention. Right. I'm a great believer. You should, I, listen, I, I set my goals for this year, figured out the skills I wanted to learn this year, realized I didn't know certain things. And then went, right, here's two people I can learn from this year, signed up immediately for both of their courses. Right. One as a mentor, one as an online course. And I'm like, great, just do that because I want to acquire the skills. Then you get down to where the rubber meets the road. It's what are your daily habits? What are your daily standards that go towards the goal? And if you don't understand the daily standards, then whatever you're learning, if you're not applying it every day, that's where you become, that's where you develop the skill. The skill comes from the daily standard. And those four parts, that's how you break goals down. It's like if you won't commit to even learning the skill and then consistency every single day. Right? The single biggest thing I've learned in the last 12 months, honestly, is the power of consistency consistency. And yet, if you look back through my life, it's probably the thing that when it showed up, was when I was most successful. And every time I dropped off being consistent, that's when my life stopped moving forward or things stopped growing. Right. And, and it, just, it doesn't matter whether it's posting on LinkedIn or whether it's going for date nights. It's like the minute you lose that consistency, everything's, everything slowly starts to unravel. Totally agree. What a great lesson. God, that was a masterclass in itself, Paul. Can I just take you back to um, that time when you were 31 and, and you lost your business? What, what did you do? What happened? I, I don't mean how did you lose your business? I mean, what happened from there to Spend get you the back up, you know, to get you back up out there and performing again? What did, what were, what did you do? What did you tap into? <clears throat> uh, well, I, I mean, the, the, the reality of it, of, of, of it where it was around yeah was I 30 yeah so I mean I didn't I didn't really have when we lost the business when I was 31 uh you know at that point I mean there's two there's been two fairly spectacular challenging events in my life that that was one because that was the first time I'd ever experienced loss 
uh, of a business, right? Just the, so if you've never experienced that loss, you've never been playing the game. And one of my mentors mm-hmm. said to you, me, look, business is a cycle. So if you understand, people, people say, oh, it's a, it's, business is a cycle. Yeah. But, so how many times have you been around the whole wheel? <laughs> right. But the whole wheel means you've got to go from startup to start, as we call it, startup, step up, scale up, sell up. If you don't sell up, then you it, it, you it tends to kind of fizzle out, right, or fail at that point if you don't sell it at some point. Right. Anyway, if you don't go all the way around, <laughs> all the way around usually involves some kind of failure. <laughs> so it's like it's like that's what a cycle is. So if you've only if you've never done a whole cycle, you've never experienced the whole journey. You don't you don't know what it feels like, right? Mm. So when you either lose a business or sell a business, that's the end of the journey for that cycle then you've got to learn to deal with the grief that comes with that or the, all the stuff that, that comes with loss. Cause it is a loss. Um, so that when it was 31, I mean, at that point it, it was more a question of like, I had no choice, right? I, you have to get, what am I going to do? Sit around. I, I think I sat around for about six weeks feeling sorry for myself. And I think my dad came in and said, listen, you got two choices here. Uh, you can go out and get, get back in the game and, and, and get started again or but either way mum your mother and i have decided you're going to start paying rent for this room from next week <laughs> so you can't just sit here and do nothing and it was like okay so like for me it was like right okay gotta go do something i don't want to work for somebody else um so then uh yeah ended up ended up borrowing ten thousand pounds on the only credit card i had left that had any money left on it and bought a franchise um that was what we did at that particular time. But uh, that was down. That was my dad giving me tough love. Right. I mean, the yeah. best, the best coaches in your life will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. And, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of big challenges. What was the other biggest challenge that you went through, Paul? Can you can you share that with us? Um. I mean, look, I mean, gosh, <laughs> if I'm not careful, this sounds like a sob story and it's not meant to be that at all, because I think, I mean, I think certainly, um, I think my wife, I mean, there's, there's been, I mean, the last seven years have been, I would say probably a nonstop, uh, battle really for us as a family, just to stay together, to keep, keep everything alive, especially, you know, I got very sick, uh, and my, then my wife had a brain injury and then, so you're looking at, you know, my wife, we went from being in Spain on, on a business trip uh, to coming back and then her being in a coma four days later. And mm. um, I think that's probably without question, the single biggest challenge I've faced in the last 10 years by far. Um, when you walk into a hospital expecting to see your wife who's been taken in, diagnosed with a sort of um, a liver infection and you you go in and you and a doctor pulls you to one side and takes you into a small room you know at that point it's not good you just know and then when the doctor says to you right your wife had us essentially a brain a brain hemorrhage last night at 3am she was rushed into intensive care she's in a coma there's your your entire world turns upside down at that particular point mm. just just flips it just flips and you know, at that point, uh, you know, and they're saying, listen, we won't know for 21 days what the impact is of that, of that brain aneurysm. We won't know for 21 days. So you're now going to need to live with the uncertainty of 21 days. It's dealing with a son who just had to move to a specialist school for his dyslexia. So you deal with that. And then somewhere in the middle of this, you, you know, you've got businesses that I still run and clients who still need me to show up and still, still turn up, be positive coach them through their stuff 
whilst dealing with all of that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that the following 90 days was incredibly tough, um, incredibly challenging. And I think, you know, I just used to get up every morning and, and I had a mantra, which was I'd get out of bed. Uh, I'd literally go into the bathroom and I'd look at uh, and and I'd have a sign. I had a sign stuck in the bar on the mirror in the bathroom that just said, win one day at a time. Mm. And that was it. And then, and then my entire mantra through that period was I just have to win today. I don't, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I just have to win today. And, you know, that, you know, that's, that's what happened. I mean, they, they said to my wife, they said that my wife would not be out of hospital for five slash six months and that she'd be left with permanent brain damage. She'd probably never, you know, uh, function again. She certainly couldn't, when she came out of the coma, she didn't know, she knew who I was, but she didn't know my name. She couldn't say my name. She can say my son's, our son's name, that kind of stuff rips you at a a Mm. level that you didn't know you were capable of being hurt. Mm. Um, and then, and then, you know, the reality was, it was a question of, right, okay, I sat down and you got to get to work. Or, I mean, you got to go do the work at that point, right? What's the goal? <laughs> What's the yeah. goal? The goal is to get her out for Christmas. Okay. That's the goal. Uh, which stuff can I control? I can't control what the doctors are going to do. I can't control what the drugs they're going to give her. I can't control anything. What can I control? I control where I put my energy and focus and attention. I can control that. I can control, uh, the environment that she's in fairly heavily. I can, I can plaster her, the rooms that she's in with positive affirmations, pictures, pictures of the family, pictures of holidays. We want to play, take destinations. I can, I can influence her subconscious mind. I can enlist the help of people I know who are Reiki healers and things like that all over the world to work on her remotely. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, you know, I just started to make a list of everything that I could control and, you know, and then just went and went to work and, and, you know, said, right, okay, great. I've got six hours a day. Then I can turn up and, and run my businesses. So I've got to figure out how to run my businesses in six hours a day. So then you may, you figure that out and then you, <laughs> you go, oh, that's interesting. I'm more productive in the six hours than I normally am in the eight or 10 I was spending here. So that's interesting. And then you, you know, and you, but you got to go, you make commitments and, and, you know, the commitment I made was that I would show up every night no matter what I would show up every night and be by her bedside every night for at least an hour a night. She doesn't remember any of it. Mm. So it's like, as I tell her recently, I'll put in all that effort and you don't remember any of it. Really? <laughs> Thanks dearest. But um, you know, but it's not about, it's about going, look, my commitment is to show up whether I'm seeing results or not, whether mm. I'm seeing progress or not, whether I'm feeling like it or not. The commitment is to just keep showing up. And I think sometimes too many of us get, trapped by the fact that we don't see results quick enough whether it's in a business or in a you know we want to lose weight we want to get fit we want a better relationship we 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 don't see results quickly enough in our head so that we then just give up because we think progress isn't being made and the reality is that progress is slow deceptively slow but when you look back it's incredibly fast because you know the result was we got her out by Christmas, we had a home for Christmas and she, she came home first week in January full time. The doctor said that was practically impossible. Wow. So again, it's another example of people telling me that you can't do something and me saying, well, okay, great. I'm going to show you and mm. go to work. It's go, you got to put the work in, you got to put the effort in, you got to put the intention in that inner tension, right? It's like, I had no idea how I was going to get a home for Christmas. I have no clue, right? I don't know how I'm going to do that. I just know I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And, and being okay with feeling really uncomfortable. And then just, you got to keep showing up. It's that daily standard. It's a daily commitment, whether you're seeing results, whether you're not, whether you feel like it, whether you don't, whether other people believe in you, whether they don't, it's like, 
your commitment to your vision, your life, the future, the goal that you've set is about showing up every single day. And the minute you make that decision, the, the, the universe will not, it will not beat you at that point. It might, the minute you say, I'm staying in this, if it takes me two years to get it done, I'm going to stay in it for two years. Mm. Now we're blessed now. What are we like? Five, we're five years down the road. My wife's in incredible shape, you know, three stone lighter. She's, she's, she's able to drive. She's able to do loads. She's back in working part-time in the business, you know? So that's five years later. Now you look at it and you go, Oh, five years, five years of putting all that work in. You think, Oh, that's a long time. You know, I look back now, five years past like that. It was, it's, it feels like seconds. Right. And if you can switch that part of it, it's like you, your commitment to your goals have to be re you have to recommit every single day, yeah. every single day, like every day you get up, you're going to be challenged by people around you, by circumstances, by the media, by everything that's going to try and talk you out of you going for your goals. And then you're going to have to deal with yourself. That's going to try and talk you out of going for your goals. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be about you believing in yourself enough to go show up for another 24 hours. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to be able to do this in three months time. You just have to do this tomorrow. You just have to get up tomorrow and go, I'm going to commit to my goals for another 24 hours. And then I'm going to commit to my goals for another 24 hours. And like do that. And two years, three years, four years from now, you will be absolutely stunned by where you are and what's possible. You'll be stunned, but it's, it doesn't happen. You know, it's a Tony Robbins says that people, people, people who get rewarded in public, they, they get rewarded in public for the practice they put in, in private for decades in mm. many cases, mm. you know, but it's that you've got to show up when no one's around, when it's dark, when it's cold, when it's wet, when it's miserable, right? <laughs> it's like when no one's, no one's around to pat you on the back and say, good job. Right. <laughs> Like yes. that it's you and the mirror and your inner side of you about whether you're going to talk yourself into this or out of it. And I'm like, look, I only have to win for 24 hours. I just have to win today. I have to win against all the stuff that wants me to stop. And even if I stop for a day, I can get up tomorrow and I can win. To, I can go again. Brilliant. That's helpful, but that's just. Oh, well, it's incredibly helpful. I mean, your strength and your resilience and your your attitude to challenge is, is really, really inspiring, Paul. Now, I know the answer to this, but for the benefit of, of the audience, uh, some of them who a lot of them who don't know you, how are you becoming more significant in the world today? It's an interesting question, right? Because I, I thought I, I, you sent me to me and he asked me that question and I was quite challenged by that question, purely from the point of view of I, because of what happened to me five, six years ago, obviously, and we haven't got time to talk about that now, but when I, when I had a near-death experience personally, um, uh, up to that point, answering that question would have been really easy for me because it would have been, oh, I'm trying to be more significant in the world. And it would have been an ego-based answer. Right. Um, and it would all have been about, hey, look at me, aren't I cool? Look at everything that I'm doing, right? Now... It, it isn't. It absolutely isn't. Ever since that experience, it isn't about how do I become more significant. It's about how do I contribute more value? Mm -hmm. If if contributing more value makes me more significant in, in the eyes of other people, that's up to them. My my goal is to contribute more value, not to create more. You know, that creates significance, in my opinion. That's my way of doing it. It's mm -hmm. not how do I become more significant? That's an ego question. My question is how do I contribute more so that I have... I create significant impact or I create significant uh, shifts in people's thinking or I create a significant result for somebody. 
it, it isn't about me. You know, it's that whole shift from me to we thinking. It's like, how do we create, how do we, how do we become significant because we help other people become more significant or we help other people get a result that they want or we help someone else overcome something they're trying to deal with um, in their business, right? So it's like, that's, for me, that's where significance comes from service. If I'm honest, that's, you know, that's... That's exactly where I'm coming from with yeah. it. It's not about you becoming more you know, higher profile and, oh, God, look at Paul Evans and look at what he's doing. It's about the difference you're making to the other people that you interact with, both in business and life. That's what significance means to me. It's not about, oh, I'm high profile and look at what I've done. And what but I've they're different questions, right? The question, if someone said to me, you know, how are you becoming more visible or how are you becoming more high profile? Yeah, there's, there's strategic answers for that, you know, yes. right? being on your podcast. Awesome. Thank you very much. Being on your show, you know, being on other people's show, running my own grown up business podcast show, you know, publishing books. That, that's, visi- that's a visibility strategy. Mm, right? Yeah. That's not a significant strategy. Yes. The significance is like I'm investing money into companies that I think uh, massively help other people, right? To make a difference. Or I'm investing in entrepreneurs as an angel investor where I think I can I can contribute value that will help them become more successful and avoid mistakes that I've made. If that if that makes me significant in their life, great. But that's the intention is to come from a place of service uh, and adding value first. That's different to visibility. And I think that's an interesting conversation because I think the two get confused a lot where people think, oh, yeah, I'm going for significance. Well, what they mean is that they're going for visibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can be hugely significant. And my wife is a brilliant example of this. She's superb at this. You can become hugely significant with how you handle the people who deliver your Amazon products to the door. Mm. Right? Of course. You, can, yes. you can be massively significant to them. I mean, she was chatting to one guy the other day and he's got 140 parcels to deliver still and it's six o'clock at night or whatever the time was and it's dark and it's raining and she goes out and she, you know, she says hello and she chats to him and she makes him laugh and she says how much she appreciates him and she goes and she goes and makes him feel significant. Yes. And, and that, that, that interaction, yeah, she'll never probably see that person again for the rest of her life, right? She might, he might deliver some more packages, knowing how many we order, probably. But, yes. the, but the point is, he got back in that car and he drove away uh, that day feeling a better human being because somebody else had taken the time just to make an emotionally more positive deposit and say how much they appreciate him. That's, that's, you become significant when you add more value to someone's life because they interacted with you. They, they went away feeling they were a better human being because they interacted with you because they felt that's it. That's, that's the job, right? Yeah. But I hope from this conversation, somebody on the, listening to this has thought, crikey, blimey, you know, like there's two or three things that Paul said that I can use in my life right now, or I can use in my business, right? Or I'm dealing with a challenge of somebody who's seriously sick or is, is you know, I'm dealing with loss on somewhere and I'm just, I, I don't know if I can get up tomorrow. And I'm like, just get up one more day. Just mm. get up tomorrow. Just you don't have to win next week, next month, next year. Just get up tomorrow. It's like if that serves you, if that helps you, then I'm I'm genuinely really blessed because I'm very aware of how fragile time is yes. and how incredibly valuable it is, yeah. and how you can lose it all in a second without ever having any notice period that it's mm. over, and therefore. If you're not if you're not going out every day and going, my job is to at least make a positive impact for three people I interact with every day. That should be a metric for success. The money the money will flow if you're contributing value. Indeed, we know that. Yeah, we know that. 
you know, if you're contributing value, the universe will balance the books, right? You'll get the money. It will come from all kinds of weird places that you would never expect it, but it will show up. Of course. Yes. But you have to show up first with a mindset of my life is about how do I, how do I make other people feel better? How do I make other people do better? How do I become a better person? How do I, how do I prove that, you know, a year from now I've, I'm 1% better every day. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's like, and that doesn't mean by the way, every, listen, I have days, you know, it was it first day back, you know, we all came back fired up, ready to go this year. And I got, I got a couple of emails in, I think it was about, one was in at about half past six, seven o'clock in the morning. One was seven twenty, and they were both bad news. Right. Like, like first two emails I got them for that year were like, holy really and i was like oh good lord and i was i really and the day hadn't even really started it's like 7 30 and i'm already like really 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 this is how you want to start the year really you want to start yeah. it like that and i and i got on a call with the team and like you know the team were like how is everyone fired up and everyone i know i'm really fed up actually forget being fired up for a minute i'm unbelievably fed up that's how the year started and then so like, okay have a rant you know have a rant for a bit and then, all right, everyone kind of goes, yeah, all right, get out your system. Okay, great. And then you come back the next day and go, all right, you know what? New day, new, day, new start. Yeah. In fact, well, I, I actually, I came back the next day and went, what, I, what can I learn from this, actually? Because mm-hmm. everything teaches you something. And I was like, what do I learn from my reaction? That's one thing. Why did that trigger me? Why did that upset me? What was it about that that particularly upset me? And it's got nothing to do with them, by the way. It's entirely my process. It's nothing to do with them, what they sent or didn't send. It's almost irrelevant. It was my reaction, you know, it yes. was interesting. What did that yes. teach me? And then it, it made me it made me commit to go, do you know what? Actually, that's made really crystallize what my goal is for this year. And I wasn't sure what it was. And those two emails were a massive gift because those two emails made me completely realize that there was something that I needed to learn this year that I hadn't learned. And I was like, right, okay, that's the lesson out of those two emails. And then within... 72 hours I'd signed up with two people one as a coach one on a training course almost as a exact result of those two emails because they made me realize they made me pay attention to something that I hadn't paid attention to brilliant fantastic result Paul I could listen to you all day oh bless you it's been awesome So, um, thank so you for the opportunity. More. Genuinely, really appreciate it. So much more I wanted to talk to you about, but hey, um, how can people get in touch with you, Paul? Because I'm sure they'll want to. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I mean, a um, couple of things they could do. Obviously, if they go to paulavens.com, um, there's resources and stuff on there, and all my contact details are on there. Um, uh, if they want to connect with me on LinkedIn, if they're in business, they want to find me on LinkedIn. The good news about my surname is whilst it was awful at school because I got bullied for it, it's brilliant now because I'm the only Avens pretty much around. So fairly easy to go onto LinkedIn and find me on LinkedIn. Or if they are a business owner and they would love to pick up a copy of my free book, if you go to 67businessgrowthtips.com, 67businessgrowthtips.com, you can get a brand new free copy of my book, uh, there for free. Just I'll ship it out to you. Just uh, all you do is cover the postage. And um, yeah, if you want to grab that, go there. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn. And we will put all those links in the show notes, which will will be with this podcast. Paul, just before we we um, fade out, um, do you have one last thought to share? Can with I us? not fade out, please? Can I just? I, I'm not sure. I really like the ending. It's genuinely, it's like I, I'd like to end with a bang, not end up fading out. Fade out feels like we just really went black and white, and it's well, that's, it's not <laughs> not your energy. Out. I'm just saying that you are not a fade out lady. That's all no, I'm saying. I'm right? <laughs> Okay, one final thought for the audience, Paul. Well, you want me to have one? I want you to have one. I think it would be uh, 
it would be be tr be true two things be true to who you are and commit to mastery commit commit to mastering whatever it is that's important to you in your life right commit to it to commit to being a master of it choice is the most um powerful thing we have in our life but it's also the most destructive because we can choose to do nothing we can choose to ignore it we can choose to say that doesn't need to be said we can choose all of those things right so choose choose to commit to mastery and choose to commit to being authentic do that and you'll become more significant thank you so much for joining me today on the becoming more significant podcast and i really hope that you've taken away some practical steps to take right now to help you unlock more of that hidden potential that we are all only scratching the surface of. If you would like to discuss how I might be able to support you in your journey into greater significance, please get in touch. It's calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock for a no obligation free initial coaching call to find out how together we can make sure that the coming weeks and months are your most significant ever. Take care.